0: So lost sometimes Days pass And this emptiness fills my heart When I want to run away I drive off in my car But whichever way to the place you are yeah. and all my instincts if they return Doorway no, to a thousand churches, know, a resolution know, of all the fruitless know, searches.
1: Tonight's message, like uh, most all of them, are in our Genesis series. So if you get confused, it would really be helpful for you to go online and listen to the messages that came before. And this week's message is really last week's message on a deeper level. And next week's message will be the same message on a double deep level. <laughs> so let's pray. <laughs> Lord Jesus. We ask that you would help us to look into your eyes and seeing you, seeing ourselves in you and you in us. Lord God, would you um, inhabit your sanctuary? Lord God, let this message not be merely information. Let it be worship in Jesus' name. Amen. Magic mirror on
0: the wall, who is the fairest
2: one of all? Famed is thy beauty, Majesty, but hold, a lovely maid I see. Rags cannot hide her gentle grace. Alas, she is more fair than thee.
0: Alas for her. Reveal her name
2: lips red as the rose, hair black as ebony, skin
1: white as snow. Snow white. So the woman had a mirror, and it gave her knowledge of beauty and ugliness, good and evil. With it she could judge herself and others. To judge is to separate. That's what the word literally means, to separate. With judgment, she could cut herself in two. She could see herself as she is and imagine herself as she wanted to be, snow white, pure, like Isaiah prophesied in Isaiah chapter 1. Though your sins be like scarlet, they shall be white as snow The old witch wanted to be most pure. She wanted to be Snow White, but she was not Snow White, so she tried to take Snow White from Snow White. She told her huntsman to bring Snow White's heart to her in a box, but it doesn't work. She can't justify herself. She can't make herself Snow White. Like we talked about last time, in the end, through her judgments, she only made herself ugly with a pig's heart. Genesis 2, verse 16, God said, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. As we've seen, this is the sixth day of creation, for on the seventh day it is finished, and everything the Lord God had made is very good, like snow white and full of light, but this is the sixth day. For not all is very good, and the woman has not been completed in God's likeness. Why? Because she's tempted to complete herself in God's likeness, right? On a fleshly level, she's completed by her, her helper, her husband. On a deeper level, we're all completed by our helper, who is... Good class. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say to you, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Women, before you get ticked off, catalog this fact, okay? She gave some to her ish, who was with her. That's the Hebrew word, ish. Adam usually refers to mankind or humanity, but ish refers to man, not woman. It's commonly translated husband. Isaiah tells us our maker is our husband, The New Testament tells us that Jesus is our husband and we are his bride, the woman. She gave some to her husband who was with her. Well, that's something to ponder, huh? And we will next week. She took of his fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her ish, who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths, loincloths to cover that part of themselves that they had just judged incomplete, that part that is only completed in the other. They hide that part from the other's eyes. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden in order to cover themselves, whom they had just judged as incomplete. Themselves, who are only completed in God, they hide themselves from the eyes of God. And then the world gets very dark and ugly as we said last time the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is the tree of law and we look into it in order to judge in order to make ourselves in the image of God in order to create ourselves with ourselves the flesh, in order to judge ourselves and justify ourselves. Yet when we do that, we just produce a monster, feed the beast. The law, which is a mirror, is also a knife to separate. When we judge ourselves with that knife, we, we, we cut ourselves. We cut ourselves to ribbons, beat ourselves to death. I, I think that's maybe why Paul writes With me, it's a very small thing that I'm judged by you or by any human court i don't even judge myself paul writes but i am not thereby acquitted it is the lord who judges me you see the lord is a skilled surgeon but we're hacks we can't judge and we can't justify we we judge then try to justify with the very thing that we just judged as dead We try to create the self with self, which we just judged dead. You see, the very desire to make ourselves good in God's image, the very desire to justify ourselves with ourselves, with our works, apart from faith in God's grace, is sin. That is sin. So to try and fix sin with more sin to fix death with more death only increases the trespass and makes us twice the children of hell to use Jesus' phrase. The mirror increases the trespass by feeding the flesh. You see, a mirror gives me more me a mirror creates an image of me, a mask. Do you see the thing in the mirror in the clip? A mask. And I look into the law to create an image of me, me as I should be. Then me tries to shape me in that image. And I become my own creator, my own savior, my own Christ. Kind of like this.
0: From
2: you, why do people think that I'm you? I think you know. No, I don't. Yes, you do. Why would anyone possibly confuse you with me? I, I, I don't know. You got it. No. Say it. Because... Say it. That's right. We are the all-sing, awesome. all-dance the crap. I don't understand this. You were looking for a way to change your life. You could not do this on your own. All the ways you wish you could be, that's me. I look like you want to look. I am smart, capable, and most importantly, I'm free in all the ways that you are not. Oh, no. Tyler's not here. Tyler went away. Tyler gone. What? This is impossible. No. This is crazy. People do it every day talk to themselves they see themselves as they'd like to be they don't have the courage you have to just run with it naturally you're still wrestling with it so sometimes you're still you we should do this again sometime. other times you imagine yourself watching me this is your first night
0: at fight club
2: you have to fight little by little you're just letting yourself become
1: To Tyler Durden is Jack, the guy that's sitting on the bed. He is Jack as he'd like to be. Jack is mentally ill. Yet, as Tyler suggests, maybe we all are kind of mentally ill because we see ourselves as we'd like to be. So, like we said last time, we become actors impersonating ourselves. We're trying to be the selves that we'd like to be according to some standard, according to some law. You see, Tyler looks like Jack wants to look. He looks like Brad Pitt, for gosh sakes. I mean, that's impressive. Tyler's smart, capable, and above all, free in the ways that Jack wants to be free. And yet, as Jack begins to realize, Tyler is a monster. Jack has created a monster, and the monster is himself his false self in theological terms Tyler is an idol and more specifically he's an Antichrist Antichrist means someone that looks like Christ but is opposed to Christ an imposter someone that puts himself on the throne of God seated on the ark above the law in the place of judgment you know there is an Antichrist that Paul mentions once but John tells us that many antichrists have come and that the spirit of the antichrist is in the world. Whenever you try to justify, sanctify, save yourself, you see, I think you're tempted by the spirit of the antichrist. Well, Tyler is Jack's antichrist, his own antichrist. And this is a scene earlier in the movie now, I wouldn't recommend the, the movie for family movie night. It's too real. The movie is called Fight Club. Club, Fight Club, and, and it turns out that the Fight Club is in Jack's soul.
2: What is this? This is a chemical burn. Well will hurt more than you've ever been burned, and you will have a scar. What are you doing? guided meditation worked for cancer could work for this. Stay with the pain, don't shut this out.
0: No, no, oh,
2: God! not get your hand. The First soap was made from the ashes of heroes, like the first monkey shot into space. Without pain, without sacrifice, we would have nothing. I tried not to think of the word searing or flesh. Stop it! This is your pain. This is your burning hand. It's right here. Who's going to my kids? No! Don't deal with it the way those dead people do. Come on! I get the boy okay, No, please. what you're feeling is premature enlightenment. Greatest moment of your life, man, and you're off somewhere missing. I am not Shut up. Our fathers were our models for God. If our fathers failed, what does that tell you about God? No, 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 I don't care. Listen to me. You have to consider the possibility that God does not like you. He never wanted you. In all probability, he hates you. This is not the worst thing that can happen.
0: It isn't?
2: We don't need him. We are God's unwanted children. So be it. you can run water over your hand to make it worse, or look at me. Or you can use vinegar to neutralize a burn.
0: Please let me have it, please.
2: First, you have to give up. First, you have to know, not fear, know that someday you're going to die.
0: You don't know how this feels.
2: It's only after we've lost everything that we're free to do anything.
1: see, he tries to save himself, to be his own savior, his own creator. He betrays himself with a kiss, sacrifices himself for himself. Did you see the, the scar on his hand, Jack's hand and Tyler's hand? He is wounded for his own transgressions, bruised for his own iniquities. He judges and bears his own judgment to set himself free from himself, with himself. He is his own Christ, the Antichrist. He doesn't look at God, doesn't speak to God. He speaks to himself, for he has no faith in the Father. And it's understandable, for his Father abandoned him. Or maybe he abandoned his Father. Whatever the case, our Father's eyes are like mirrors. That was what we preached on last time, remember? And we preach that there is, A, the, the mirror of the law, the knowledge of good and evil, and we look into it to judge ourselves, and B, the mirror of our Father's eyes. His judgment, the Father's eyes. You know, it was along about that age that we talked about last week when my children became self-conscious, as Deuteronomy puts it, when they gained the knowledge of good and evil when they began to judge themselves, it was then that they adopted a favorite phrase of theirs. And this was the phrase. I do it. I mean, I'd be trying to help them as their helper. And they'd say, no, I do it. I do it. Every time we sin, I think we say, no, I do it. God said, "I will make you in my own image and likeness." And the woman said, "No, I do it. I do it." Once along about that time, my daughter Elizabeth got really, really angry at me one night, one day. It was in the morning, I think, angry at me for, for something. She threw a three-year-old tantrum and screamed. I don't need a family. Basically, I do it. I do it. And, and then she screamed, I don't want a daddy. I don't need a daddy. And I said, okay. Goodbye. I didn't talk to her. I didn't look at her. I left her alone. Now, she may have felt forsaken. I mean, she was miserable. But of course, I, I didn't forsake her. She was in my house, eating my food. She was really in paradise, and yet she was alone. Later in the day, I did let her take a ride with me when I went to the store. I remember we sat in the car in the garage in silence for a minute or so, and then I turned and looked at her. And she looked at me. I knew where she was. She was in a little hell of her own making. She looked into my eyes, and I remember my heart for her at that moment. was just so huge. She looked into my eyes, and literally, she just melted before me. I mean, like ice before fire. She threw herself across my lap, sobbing. I want a daddy! I do want a daddy! And I want a... It was the most beautiful repentance that I've ever seen. She like died to herself and lived in me under my gaze. As the Old Testament would put it, she found grace in my eyes. And you see that grace judged her, justified her, and sanctified her. At the end of the day, she was more beautiful than she was at the start of the day. She found grace in my eyes. Grace is a person. What if our entire life in this world is like the time between Elizabeth saying, I do it, I don't want a daddy, and the moment that she looked into my eyes, the father's eyes? That really would explain a lot. In the Old Testament, God says to Moses, You cannot see my face, for no man shall see me and live. That's Exodus uh, 33. And it's like we say, I do it. And so the Father turns his face, for he knows that his eyes, his judgment, would just melt us like ice before fire. Not because his eye is evil, but because our eye is evil and he's good. And so what man, what son of man, what Adam has the faith or the courage to look at God, to look him in the eye from the hell, the Hades that we have created and bear his judgment from that place? No man shall see my face and live. You know, Jacob in the Old Testament wrestles with a God-man. And then totally baffled, he says this, I've seen God face to face, yet my life is delivered. Jacob also receives a name, and the name is Israel. It's like he's died and then he's born again. He's delivered new life. In John 1, eight, John writes, No one has ever seen God. The only Son who is in the bosom of the Father, He has made Him known. In 3 John, verse 11, he writes, whoever does good is from God and whoever does evil has not seen God. It's like looking in God's eyes kills us, resurrects us, and then makes us in God's image. In other words, it judges us, justifies us, and sanctifies us. But what man has ever looked into the eyes of God, number one? And number two, how do we look into the eyes of God, our Father? Number one, Jesus, son of man, ultimate Adam, has looked into the eyes of the Father. And number two, he's borne the Father's judgment on our behalf. More than that, He is the Father's judgment on our behalf. And so, seeing Him, we see the Father. The seven eyes of the Lord in the Old Testament, the seven eyes of Yahweh, are the seven eyes of the slaughtered Lamb in the Revelation. When we see Jesus Christ and Him crucified, we look into the eyes of God and see His heart from the bosom of the Father. We see the law. We see... A mirror we see the tree of knowledge yet the law is fulfilled with grace like the mirror is fully filled with a face the face of Christ the tree is fully filled with a man he's been nailed there by us and our judgments he is the heart of God which we take (laughs) and yet he gives He forgives. Now it's all just way too much for words. So I'm going to show you a picture. This picture is us judging God in Christ. And this picture is God in Christ judging us. This is the real Christ replacing all our antichrists. Not I do it, but... God did it. This is God speaking to God on our behalf. This is the Son of Man staring into the eyes of the Father from the pit of hell, our hell. This is God's judgment over our judgments. This is the sacrificial blood covering the law in the Holy of Holies. This is the mercy seat, the throne of God, from which flows a river of life. This is the God-man, the superman, the eschatos man, perfected faith. This is the ultimate Adam returning to the garden, taking the fruit that his bride has handed him, for he's, he's with her, and he will not leave her nor forsake her. This is him nailed to her tree by her, for her, and with her. This is the tree of knowledge transformed into the tree of life standing in the new eating the eternal city this is the tree that bears body broken and blood shed. the great banquet this is where we are made in God's image and how we're made in God's image this is where we die where the false self dies. The grand facade burns and this is where we're born. No longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. This is our helper. This is our Ish. This is our husband. This is the seed. This is how we bear fruit that is life. This is the end of the ages. This is the end of the sixth day and the doorway to the seventh day. This is where it is finished, where it is accomplished, where it is completed. This is where the serpent is crushed. Underfoot, where the accuser is silenced, while the captives are set free. This is mercy, this is grace, this is the unveiling, the revelation of the heart of God. This is the eternal fire, this is the judgment of all things. This is our mirror, this is the eye of God, the eyes of God, eyes of the Son, and eyes of the Father.
0: Lagi, Namun
1: I have the Father Last week after the service My, my friend Barry He said uh, Hey Peter did you know that that term Apple of the eye um, Actually refers to Your uh, reflection In someone's eye when you look at them I didn't know that I, I looked it up And it's true In fact the phrase is in the Bible Israel was actually commanded to sing it in a song called the Song of Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 32. In the song, God tells them that they are the apple of his eye. I looked up that word apple, because you know, like I said last time, apples are not indigenous to Palestine. And sure enough, apple is just the closest English idiomatic expression to the idea. The Hebrew word is ishon, It's the diminutive form of ish, man. So God literally says, Israel, look, you're the the little man in my eye. You all, my people, all you my people are the little man, singular, in my eye. See? Remember last week when Snow White looked into her mirror, the wishing well, she looked into the mirror, and her prince, her husband, her ish, showed up? See, at the cross, I think God is saying, look into my eyes, and Jesus will show up. A murdering old Pharisee, the world's very first worst sinner according to scripture Saul of Tarsus looked into the father's eyes and saw Jesus he wrote it's no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me not the antichrist but Christ not the old Adam but the new not the man of flesh but the man of spirit Jesus is God's judgment of you did you know that? Jesus is God's opinion of you How he feels about Jesus is how he feels about you. And his mind has already been made up. If you look, you'll see. If you hide, you won't. That place you hide in fig leaves and trees and your knowledge of good and evil and your justifications, that place is the edge of hell. Hades, but if you look, though it burns, you will see grace. I say this confidently because it's scripture and because I've experienced it, especially with my friend Elaine. She shared her testimony here a few months ago. You know, Elaine was ritually abused by her father in a coven. I talk about her often because her story is really my story now. Because for 15 years, I've walked with her through her story and met Jesus there. We've fought diseases, demons, even Satan himself. But all along, the battle has always really just been one thing, and that is to convince Elaine to look into the eyes of Jesus. You see, the real fight is with herself, just as my real fight is with myself. I'm my own fight club. Now, Elaine never split like Jack, but she hid like all of us, and so we'd ask Jesus to reveal himself in those places. It would start out as a memory and usually turn into a vision. A vision would take over and Jesus would always be there with her for he would not leave her nor forsake her. And you see, the battle is then to convince Elaine uh, to look at him, to look in his eyes. For once she looks in his eyes, nothing can stop her. No demon, nothing. You see, at first, his eyes will burn. You know, in the Revelation, his eyes are fire. They burn away our judgments, our false self, our antichrist. They burn, but then they heal. In fact, the very thing that burns is the very thing that heals. It's the judgment of God, and that judgment is grace. The eyes of Christ are a mirror. And many times Jesus has actually held up a mirror. For Elaine, she'll look in it and she'll see herself in white. Snow White, a wedding dress. That's God's judgment. And the only thing that keeps her from looking into that mirror, looking into God's eyes, the only thing that keeps her in bondage, and the only thing that keeps you in bondage, the only thing that gives the prince of darkness that power, the only thing is your judgment. Your judgments. Because of your judgments, you reject God's judgment. Your judgments create your old man, your false self, your own antichrist. Your judgments are lies, but you think your judgments are you. And so you think if I lose my addictions, I'll die. If I confess my shame, I'll die. If I confess my anger, I'll die. Well, the false self will die. But the true self will be born. Jesus Christ, the truth, will be found in you. That old self, you know, is fragile. You have to protect it. But the new self is indestructible, eternal in the heavens. And so there are two mirrors. One is the law, the knowledge of good and evil, and the other is the law filled with life. Covered in grace. And so we come to church not to look into the law and see ourselves. We come to church to look into the law and see Jesus. It's not that the law doesn't matter. Far, far from it. It's the law that reveals Jesus and reveals our need for Jesus. The law reveals that we're dead and need life. That's Jesus. The law reveals that we're a lie and need truth. That's Jesus. The law reveals that we're guilty and need grace. That's Jesus. The law reveals we're empty and need filling with Jesus. We come to church to look into the law and see Jesus Christ and him crucified in our place. When we see Jesus, we lose ourselves, forget ourselves, confess ourselves, empty ourselves, and find our true selves in that very place. We put off the old man and put on the new, the ishon, the apple of God's eye. You know, the bad father will discipline his child this way. He'll say something like, I can't believe that you lied. You are a no good little liar. And if you ever want to be my son, you better get your act together. But the good father my Father in heaven will discipline his children this way. It hurts me that you lied. Look at me. You are good. You are true. That's not you. You belong to me, and that will never change. As a man thinketh, So is he. The good father says, that's not who you are. As a man thinketh, so is he. Believing God's judgment makes us good. We can't make ourselves good in order to be judged good by God. Uh, Through believing God's judgment, I, I become good. And when God judges you, which he does, he does in the end completely, but he does all the time. When God judges you, you may think you're losing yourself. But you know what? You're actually coming home to yourself. You meet your true self on the other side of God's judgment. The other side of God's judgment is eternal in the heavens, the seventh day. And there the fight is over for you're one. No divisions, no fight but peace. Last year, my friend Elaine had a traumatic experience that gave a little bit of power to the evil one. It happened in Africa during the revolution in Kenya. It happened one night at a bonfire where the locals sacrificed a goat. And it tapped into some of Elaine's old memories and lies and fears. So when Susan and I prayed for her, I had her picture that fire. She was terrified of the fire for understandable reasons. And we all are. But then she saw Jesus in the fire looking at her with his hands outstretched as if beckoning beckoning to her saying, Come join me in the fire. I said something like the fire is God's judgment and Jesus is in it and And Elaine said, yeah, and he wants me to give him my anger. You see, she was really angry at Jesus, really angry, angry that all those Kenyans were suffering, angry that she couldn't save those orphans who were in so much pain, angry that Christ wasn't acting like the Christ, or at least her image of the Christ. She was judging Jesus, and so she was angry. Well, that was just a few weeks after I had been defrocked from Lookout Mountain Community Church. So I was really angry at Jesus too. Angry that I couldn't save Lookout. Angry because I felt forsaken by God. Angry that Christ wasn't acting like my image of the Christ. I was judging... Christ my antichrist to be more specifically was judging Christ and I was angry so I said well I'm really angry too and then Susan piped up and she said well don't forget about me because I'm angry too (laughs) and so I looked at Elaine and I looked at Susan and I said well let's let's hold hands and just all walk into the fire together with Jesus so we held hands closed her eyes and I said something like Jesus we're angry would you baptize us with your fire after a minute I said Elaine what do you see she opened her eyes looked at me and she said you're ugly I laughed and I said, no, Elaine, I mean in the vision. What do you see in the vision? <laughs> and she said, that's what I mean. You're, you're ugly. You're all burned up and ugly. Mirror, mirror on the wall. And I was ugly, not beautiful, ugly, Elaine said. And Susan's ugly, and, and I'm ugly. And then Susan said, yeah, I see it. We're all burned up, charred, and ugly. Peter asked Jesus to blow on us. And so I did, and then I heard Elaine gasp and wonder, and I heard her mutter, "I'm not fragile!" For when Jesus blew on us, all that charred flesh, all that ash blew away, and under the ash, under the charred remains of my old man, my flesh, my angry Antichrist underneath. All of our ashes were three solid, white, impenetrable beings, solid as an in indestructible, eternal, and not fragile like Jesus. And like Jesus, unblemished, spotless, and pure, snow white, and filled with light. Well, see, God showed us that for a reason. For then filled with faith in God's judgment, who is Jesus, we went on to destroy, or I should say Christ in us destroyed, the works of the evil one. Now you may struggle to believe a story like that. And if so, I understand. But your very life depends on believing this. In fact, believing this is your life, your eternal life. This is your mirror. This is the fire. This is God's judgment. This is how he tells you who you are and makes you in his image. On that night he took bread and he broke it saying, this is my body given to you. Take and eat And in the same manner, after supper, he took the cup and he said, this is the new covenant in my blood shed for the forgiveness of sins. Drink of it, all of you. And so we invite you to come to the table, tear off a piece of the bread, dip it in the cups. The darker cups are wine. The lighter cups are juice. And they're both fire. But do you see what's happening when you come to the table? You're surrendering that old self and receiving your new self. You're surrendering your judgments and receiving God's judgment. And do you see it? Eve, he's good. Amen. The potter carefully fashions the clay into the pot of his making. And then what does he do with it? He puts it in the fire! That's right! You know, people are always saying to me, Peter, what do I do? They always want me to tell them what to do. Kind of like create more rules, more regulations so that then they can go do them. And Paul says, why do you submit to rules and regulations? They have no power in checking the indulgence of the flesh. But people always say, Pastor, well, what should I do? Well, I think this is the closest to what I'm telling you to do and that is worship. You know, worship is something that we do all of the time and when we get here together, we just do it as a group. But when you worship, what do you do? You look at God, and He looks at you, and it changes you. So, in the name of Jesus, worship Him. And uh, I want to say, too, I think we have one of the best worship leaders ever. And. Um, I, I really, really mean that, and I, I think I work with one of the, with the best staff I've ever worked with. But, but I say that because every night after uh, we have the regular service, we have Resound. And uh, Resound is an opportunity just to sit and look at Jesus and have him look at you. And so now we're going to uh, move into Resound. If you want to uh, go to the class, that's another way to worship. Uh, Steve's uh, Song of Solomon class should be incredible. Uh, If you want to hang out and talk with people, that's great. There'll be pizza in the back. If you want to pray with uh, someone on our ministry team, they'll be in the chapel. Uh, But after you've done some of those things, if they're still going in here, here, I invite you to come back in and just sit before God. Look at Him and let Him look at you. In Jesus' name, believe. Amen.